Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. I never thought this this question, how would one lose a tortoise? It's a good question. I mean, how did they not think that was going to get over? We love watching the fat man dance. Oh my fucking god, he's Kamehameha waving the bats. He's not doing a good job with pulling the pictures at the right time. Well, you're an idiot, dude. Shut the fuck up. Well then, in one, two, three. Greetings, guten tag, hello, or however else you say hello, and welcome to VFTR 2.0. I am Chad. Coming to you from my patio, the very rainy day outside. If this goes on YouTube, you'll see the trees moving a lot because it's crazy out there. But I am joined, of course, by the man, the myth, the legend. He's my good buddy. He's the co-host with the mostest. Round here, we call him Big Baby Daddy Diesel. Oh, Chad, it is Dadalax. Sorry, I forgot the nickname part. It is nice to be joining you during this crummy rainy day from Diesel's Dapper Dungeon of Delight because it's always delightful here down in the Dapper Dungeon. And we have a special returning guest today. Did you know this? Were you I, aware? I, I was only mildly aware. There's a note on my production meeting notes that says something's happening here. Yeah. For one week only, a returning Channing. 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 Yeah, that's right. I don't even remember your name. But uh, he wants us to do uh, Mystery Brain Buster of the Week. And since we didn't ask for questions, I have an introspective question of the week. Do you know what, Channing? Hit my music. Questions, questions, questions. We answer all your questions. Questions, questions, questions by High Flowers. We answer all your questions, your questions, 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 questions by High Flyers. Thank you very much, Channing. That was nice. You've been missed. You're still not getting paid, though. I was going to say, how the hell has this guy stuck around this long? We haven't paid him once, and I haven't even asked him for any work in a while. Oh, at the beginning of the pandemic, remember? Yeah. Uh, We owe him back pay, but unfortunately, you're not getting that. Sorry. Anyways, you can have half of my salary, Channing. You can have half of my salary. I need all my salary. I got bills. I got kids. Um. Anyways, here we go. My introspective question of the week is: There's a lot of good TV shows out there, and you partake in a lot of good TV shows as well as I do. But my question is: What is your favorite? reality slash competition reality show that it doesn't have to be like your guilty pleasure but like in your opinion is the best i'm not talking about like the real world i'm talking about like ones where like people get voted out and like there's a winner hmm that's a that's a good question i hmm 
I mean, I think it has to be Survivor then. As someone who was a staunch hater of Survivor through most of my teenage years, like I just refused to watch it just to be obstinate, I'm pretty sure. Like, I don't think I ever actually like, I might have watched like two episodes, like as a teenager when I was at its height of popularity. So I just was like, nah, that show's shit. It's garbage. I hate it. And then I got together with my now current wife, Allison, and she loved the shit. And so clearly, you know, in the, you know, dating period, I was like, all right, I'll watch Survivor with you. And I won't lie to you. That show is intoxicating. It like hooks you in and you get so like attached to these people that you don't know at all. And you make all of these like wild like things up about them, about how much you hate them or you like them. And it's like, I don't even know this person, but I still like think about like things on Survivor. And I'm like, why did they do that? That was so stupid. And it just lives rent free in my head. So yeah, I'd say Survivor. So, like that is the correct answer. If there was a correct answer, Survivor is the correct answer. And like, it is intoxicating. Since we last recorded, I have watched, because I, I like, you were with CSI where you'd watch, like, you'd binge it for, like, a good month and a half. Yep. And then you just, like, overload a CSI and you take, like, a six-month break. You yep. know, and I would do the same. I've been doing the same thing with Survivor because there's so many seasons. Uh, since we last recorded, I've watched through 31 and 32, season 31 32. And so that's about a good, um, I think, 30 episodes. So mm -hmm. that's, like, 30 hours of TV. I mean, obviously, I have the commercial free hulu because yeah, i'm gonna flex right now and let you know that i spend way too much money that i don't have really to spend but uh i can't watch ads i can't do it no so no and they uh, get you with it sidebar ding because that's how they get you with those streaming ads or apps i can handle ads it's seeing the same gosh damn ad a hundred times they just show you the same ad over and over just to slowly wear you down like a stream against a mountain like and at first you're like oh yeah i can handle ads it's fine and you know like six days later oh if i see this freaking geico commercial one more time i am going to snap and then six days later you spend the extra money and go no more commercials i mean it's survivor is just one of those shows where like you start the season like the beginning of the season is always the worst because unless it's like a returning like cast season those are the best those are my favorite just because you know the people already but you have to like decipher on like who you like and like sometimes i sit there and i wonder to myself like i like these certain characters and other people out there that are rooting against these characters you know what i mean like i don't know it's it's very weird, but uh, I like that show a lot. And like, you start watching a season, and like an episode ends, it's like well, I gotta watch the next episode because I gotta see who gets voted out next. And I gotta watch the next, and then it's just yeah. Then you end up watching an entire season in a day, but then you're not mad about it unless it's somebody that you hate that wins it. So that yeah. happens sometimes. Like sometimes there's somebody that you just despise, and they end up winning it. And you're like, fuck this show, I'm done with it forever. And then you end up starting the next season. Yep. But. Since you picked that one, I'm going to pick a different one. And that one is Master Chef. I love Master Chef. Yeah. It's so different than Survivor, but it's kind of the same. Um, I mean, but there's still like a big drop off when you come from Survivor to Master Chef because Survivor has had um, season 43 and every season the game evolves it from it's not the same they do something every year that makes it a little bit different so it's always fresh and that's what i appreciate about survivor and yeah 
So that's what I've been doing this last week. And I just wanted to talk about Survivor for a minute. I figured you were going to pick Survivor too. So yeah. I, I'll, uh, I'll put this out there for everyone who listens. If you watch Survivor, I have not agreed with the past two winners. because I'm not that far yet, so yeah. don't... Uh, I won't spoil anything for you at all. I'm not going to say any names or anything like that. I just will say to you, I don't agree with who they voted on for the winners. And I felt like these past two seasons, both times, the like council came in with who they wanted to vote for, and then they just did. Like regardless of anything else, they just went, nah, that's who we, we want to vote for, and that's who they did vote for. So but besides that, these past couple seasons of Survivor and the start of this newest one have been some of the greatest seasons of Survivor ever. I will not lie to you. They are wow. Shit gets nuts. Alright, so uh breaking the fourth wall here, folks. When we're doing this, we definitely take breaks because of either Cooper or we gotta grab another drink or things like that. But since I had a little time to think during one of these said breaks, I came up with a question of my own. And my question is, Diesel, as we're both now homeowners and you know parents and you know real adults, as I like to say sometimes, with real adult responsibilities, I look at a lot of my things in my house and I go, man, as a kid, I would have thought that was the dumbest thing ever and I don't know why I have it. And we spent all this money on it. So, Diesel, my question is, what's an appliance in your house that you just, like, never thought you would own, but now that you do, could never look back and ever go back to not having it? I mean, there are a couple, and actually there's one that is more recent that I just bought within the last, like, month or so. And that is... I think it's called an emotion blender. One, like the wand. Like the thing where like you can, it's like a mixer, but you blend it up with the wand and it's so much more convenient than using like, uh, like the beaters. I hate those things. Cause it's so, I don't know, for some reason it's so inconvenient. And like, and it's sometimes like, if I don't have to and I can just use a spoon to make something, I would much rather do that. But sometimes it's just too tough on the arm to like, and like, or like I made a sauce the other day ago, a chipotle sauce, and I had these chipotle peppers and that uh, wand came in handy perfectly. And yeah, it was a great purchase. It's only like 20 bucks. And yeah, I love it. No, Emulsion Blender, that's a good answer. I would not have uh, thought about listing that, but that's something I've had for a while. So I, I have always loved emulsion blenders, especially, yeah, if you're doing anything that, like, requires a sauce. Because the amount of, like, whipping you have to do if you don't have the emulsion blender, like, will give you forearms like Popeye. And I don't I don't need that in my life at all, all right? <laughs> I'm already a weird enough looking dude. I don't need Popeye forearms. My answer is actually what Allison bought me for my birthday this year. And it was... I just always thought they were just so superfluous. Like, I just never found, like, I was like, this is just not anything I would ever need, but it's a robot vacuum. I have a little, Roomba? like, huh? A Roomba, yes. Is it a yes. Roomba? Uh, I don't know if it's an actual Roomba. It's It might be an off-brand of Roomba. Whatever. I call him, it's, no, it's a it's Shark brand because I named him Bruce after <laughs> finding Nemo. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, so that's why I know it's the Shark brand. And honestly... It is the greatest time-saving thing in the world. I can just turn it on anytime, and it just vacuums the house. 
It just goes along its business. It's the greatest employee ever. No bitching, no whining. You just hit the button and you just got to make sure he doesn't run over any blankets. Besides yeah, that, he's I, golden. I need to give me one of those too. Um, have you seen those robo lawnmowers? Yes, I have seen like, those. Those are kind of freaky. <laughs> But I mean, at the same time, I wish I had one. I mean, but. we're getting closer and closer to the Jetsons every single day. Like, I, I just, by the time we're old, maybe it will be the Jetsons. Who knows? <laughs> but yes, yeah. folks, I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't think you need it, you do. Robo vacuums. Amazing. Plus, it can go under the couch and many other furniture pieces without me having to move said furniture. Just... Like, there were things under my couch for a long time that, whoa, don't look under there. Now, I don't even mind. I'll go under the couch and reach for stuff. Before, you might have pulled out, like, I have two, yeah. I have two pets, or I have two cats and a dog, so they're messy. Yeah, I bet you uh, Cooper loves it, too. Oh, yeah. It's a great distraction for Cooper, as well. She just watches it wall around the house. Okay. Well, that was the return of the Mystery Brain Buster of the week for one week only. Hey, maybe we'll bring it back again sometime. Thank you, Channing, for playing the sound effect. Yeah, Channing, thanks. That was a good shout. We haven't done it for a while, so that was nice to do. But now let us continue on with the show and head into our now second segment for this week, which is, of course, hashtag TRT, which, of course, stands for... Top Rope Topics. And last week, we had the retrospective on old Extreme Rules and predictions for this year's 2022 WWE Extreme Rules Premium Live event. So, just to flip reverse it, this week, we're going to give you our review first of the 2022 WWE Extreme Rules Premium Live event before finishing it back off and going through the last six or seven extreme rules uh, of the past and talk about those. But Diesel, as always, you are the master of the card as you have multiple monitors. So kick us off. Where are we going? Okay, so I want to start out with actually the end of the show because, I mean, that's where the newsworthy part is. I mean, the whole show was great. But, I mean, obviously, the biggest reason I tuned in and I tuned in live was to see Bray Wyatt. Because, I mean, everybody knew. It was, like, like there's a lot of comparisons to CM Punk's return here. Like, it was, like, the best or the worst-kept wrestling secret. Everybody knew it was going to be Bray Wyatt. We didn't know how it was going to happen or what was going to happen. But, like, so, and I figured, being WWE, that it would wait till the end of the show. Like, I feel like... That would have been, that was the best. Like when they did CM Punk and AEW to start out Rampage in Chicago, that made sense. Didn't make sense to do it in the middle of the show or even at the beginning. The end is the best. So now I'm thinking to myself, like we're getting towards the end. There's two matches left. And I know that it's the fight pit and the I quit match. And I'm like, so what match is going to go on last? Because I'm figuring that he's going to come and interfere in one of the matches. And he doesn't. Because I knew when the fight pit happened last, I figured it would be more likely to happen with the Judgment Day Edge match. And so I figured that it was going to be something after everything. But so my, like, we didn't really talk about this at all. Like our reactions to this, but like I watched it back a few times and it, 
it's like classic Triple H shenanigans with the watermark or whatever the hell that thing's called. Trade the copyright thing. logo. Yeah, and like don't turn it off. Never turn it off if you're watching WWE. When that thing pops up, you wait till the screen goes like off to the next show. Yep. Because otherwise you might miss something. And there's uh, Riddle celebrating, and all of a sudden the lights go out and the crowd just like i mean i usually do not like philadelphia crowds i think that they're the worst crowds in sports i hate it when like wrestling goes there because they're dicks like the whole that uh what match was it no it was that iron man match where they kept on counting down from 10 every time it hit 10 yeah and they had to take the, the clock off of the screen and then they booed and they're just like yeah um, but anyways, I thought the crowd was actually really good here and they were perfect for this. Like when the lights went out, the, like the crowd, like erupted. The fireflies, the fireflies came out. Came out. Oh my and God. I didn't like, realize how much I missed the fireflies until that shot came up back. And like Michael Cole saying, are we still on the air, Corey? Like just made it so much better. Like, you know, that if Vince McMahon would have been doing this, he would have been screaming something ridiculous. Like what's going on? Oh my God. What's going on? But instead they get the subtle line of Corey. Are we still on the air? It was chef's Michael kiss. Cole went from like the worst announcer of like all time to like one of the all time greats in a matter of three months. Yeah. Like you take that guy off his leash he is really, really good at his job. And so I feel bad for all these years hating on Michael Cole because, I mean, I knew Vince McMahon was in his ear, but at the same time, I'm like, it has to be the guy that the words are coming out of his mouth. No. Like, he was held back so much. He's so good at his job. I'm so glad Triple H is like, dude, you... and like Triple H has known him for 30 years too. Like, like, yeah. Oh, right, anyways, that was a good, like, I was going to bring that up too with Michael Cole saying that and then all of a sudden, I think the first one was Huskis. Yep. Uh, and then it was Mercy the Buzzard. Then you saw Ramblin' Rabbit. Then Abby the Witch. And then you saw The Fiend, which, like, when all this was happening, I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what was going to happen. And then all of a sudden, they show the commentary table, and it's the burnt Fiend mask, which I liked their reaction to. And then... Then they had the door, and I'm like, like I'm surprised that I haven't like heard many more people like kind of compare it to the Forbidden Door because in a way it is like the Forbidden Door. Like if you like really like dig deep into it, it kind of is. And I really like when they went inside and it was just this the Firefly Funhouse and it was in ruins. All the puppets were dead. Uh, everything was dark and spider webs and dusty and then the TV came on and the white rabbit mask guy, I guess, Bray Wyatt character. I don't know what to say. Like, I only know what I know and I only know what you know. So, anyways, he did the thing who killed the world you did and I'm like, oh, this is really creepy and like, I thought maybe that it would end right there. It would have been, it would have been a little lackluster of an ending, but at the same time, I wouldn't have cared. I would have been very excited for it. And then they went back to the door, and you can see the light shining behind the door, and the door popped open with a bright light. And then it went dark. You saw the lantern, and like I got goosebumps, like for real. Oh, I even forgot about the beginning, like when the lights went out. You got the whole world, yeah, in his hands. Like 
taking like all of Bray Wyatt's like gimmicks and putting them all into one. It was like, it was amazing. And like, I haven't heard Bray Wyatt sing that in like years brought back so many memories. And like, that was one of the reasons I fell in love with Bray Wyatt and like, I don't know. And then when he came out with the lantern, like part of me really wanted to hear his entrance theme and I was singing it at the same time. Well, don't get me wrong. I like his entrance theme. And then him like looking into the camera saying I'm here and blowing out the lantern and then doing the thing with the wide six. Yeah. Like that was the best return in professional wrestling history. I don't care. Like I will fight anybody that differs. That was like one of the most creative. Like that was worth every like every day we had to wait while he was not employed as a wrestler that was worth it and i can't wait for smackdown i'm gonna watch smackdown because of it i watched raw like raw was great too like wwe right now is top notch it's so weird the beginning of this year i would not have expected myself to say that in october yeah at the beginning of this year, I was pretty positive that WWE was going to get sold by year's end. Like, they were going down. It felt like they were just sinking their own boat. Like, they were trying to intentionally put holes in the bottom of this rowboat to sink it so they could sell it. And now, here we are with, yeah, arguably the greatest return of all time. Just the way it was handled, the QR codes, the slow burn, like, the not just giving it to us immediately and making us wait and being the worst kept secret in wrestling. Like there is something to be said about that where we, a lot of times complain about spoilers and everything like that as pro wrestling fans. But in some ways, the spoilers knowing that this was Bray Wyatt made it better. The anticipation was so high. I mean, and there was still that element, like that sliver of doubt that maybe it wasn't him. And there was with CM Punk too. But like at the same time, you knew, you knew it was going to be Bray Wyatt. But there was that sliver of doubt that maybe they were swerving you. And I'm so glad that they didn't. Yeah, no, that the everything about it, the weird kind of like the mask to me felt very um, like, old school like japanese mythology style like almost Sorry, like i forgot to mention yeah they pulled off the mask yeah. and the crowd went nuts for that as well yeah and like the mask itself was so creepy and then i think I, simon miller is the one who pointed out when i because i watch ups and downs always that's the only thing i still watch on uh what culture wrestling because i love simon miller great guy shout out thanks for talking to us that one time at yeah listen to our all in uh, Starcast episode that's about like 200 episodes back now. Yeah, we have an interview with Simon Miller. We do best interview I've ever conducted. I was so half in the bag too. <laughs> and you did phenomenal, but that why you can see it if you just watch. There is such a smile on his face, and like he's like trying to hold it back, obviously. But when he steps out onto that stage and pulls that mask off, and that Philly crowd just collectively loses their mind. Like, how great a feeling was that for Bray Wyatt? To be away from pro wrestling, to be fired in the way that he was, and the way that his character was being assassinated before he left, to come back to this? I think, I think yeah. just proof that he was right the whole time, and Vince McMahon was wrong. Like, I don't know. I like that Triple H is going to be booking this because 
Bray Wyatt's not going to be held back. I don't, I don't know where they're. I, I'm interested to see where the story goes because he has to be strong, but keep him away from Roman because like we can't put the title on him, especially right away. No, like because that was the problem with the Fiend before when he got the title on him. How do you take it off him? Oh, I got an idea, Goldberg. Like that was the worst idea. But yes, I don't know. I like the fact that this is a fresh start. He's not the Fiend anymore. He might have elements of the Fiend. He might even wrestle as the Fiend because he's wrestled as his old like gimmicks while he was the Fiend. Yeah. But like, I like that it's a fresh start because then it kind of erases the red lights, the stupid hell in the cell where he lost because he got buried with chairs, um, losing to Goldberg. Uh, like so much stuff that they like did wrong that like it's still there in canon but like it can be easily now like kind of written off in a way where like it's not important anymore and you can keep the like fun stuff like the Firefly Funhouse match at Wrestlemania or even just the, any of the Firefly Funhouse like promos like I don't know I just I'm so glad that Bray Wyatt's back. Like, since I, I just mentioned this to you, since I've been watching wrestling again since 2014, Bray Wyatt's probably my favorite wrestler in that whole time period. And, like, he's been, he's a, he's like Chris Jericho in a way where he adapts and he gets it and he's smart. And, like, I'm so excited that he's back. And he also needed to be in WWE. He needs the sports entertainment. AEW wouldn't have done it for him. That's why they never got the broken universe right and they just gave up on it. Like, Bray Wyatt needs the WWE just as much as the WWE needs Bray Wyatt. And I'm so glad that he's back. I am I, I can't wait to see what they do. I 100% agree. And it's hard to argue that Bray Wyatt has been a part of so many of my favorite moments since we've all gotten back into pro wrestling. But in, in some ways, he's also been some uh, or part of some of my least favorite moments in all of pro wrestling. But he's always there. He was he's always important. And Bray Wyatt being back in pro wrestling is just good for pro wrestling. I mean, that the Fiend is one of the most talked about characters in the history of pro wrestling, and and that's like crossing pop culture lines. Like he broke those lines, destroyed them, and then just quick, um, not really sidebar, but. I love the fact that WWE has hired that Marvel guy yeah. who who pitched a Fiend movie to now be in charge of long-term storytelling. Like this is what we've been calling for forever. Like the like the WWE and I we said it at the beginning of talking about this. Who who had this on their bingo card for 2022 at the start of January 2022 that the WWE suddenly gets it? Vince McMahon is gone, and the WWE is, whoa, like one million times better. Just in like literally three months. And think about how many like factions there are in the WWE now. Like that creates tag teams, which is going to, the tag team division is going to benefit from that greatly. Like WWE is on an upswing and like, they're at the start. Like, it's like a slingshot, and we're just pulling back. We haven't even let go yet. I can't wait. And so, like, I have so much faith in Triple H's booking. Like, I've seen it. I And it's not even, like, a small sample size. I watched NXT from 2014 all the way to 2021. 
And in that time, like the majority of the time, there at the tail end, Triple H had his heart incident and he wasn't booking anymore. But oh, even like a little before that, because Mr. McMahon took over. But when Triple H booked for like good seven years, like it was the best wrestling on the planet. I am so excited and uh, I'm ready to talk about this show as a whole because like it was great. I, I have had one... Triple H's fingerprints all over it from beginning to end. And as you texted me, this felt like a takeover. It truly did. It was like all action, not much else. Like they had, and they had the running thing with the Miz and uh, what's his, what's that mascot's Gritty. name? Gritty, yeah. Which was fun. It, that's, see, that's that's classic sports entertainment, and I feel like that should be a part of the WWE. I liked it a lot, um, but like. The first thing that I guess, because I thought last week when we did our picks that the card wasn't finalized because there's only six matches and and it was finalized. So there was something that I didn't really mention um, when we were doing our picks, but every single match had a stipulation, which is what extreme rules should be. There's never been an extreme rules like in week because we just covered the first half of them. And I remember the rest of them that we're about to cover today. There's never been an extreme rules where every match had a stipulation. Yeah. This is the first one, and it was perfect. This was the best extreme rules in the history of the event. Oh, without Bar question. <laughs> Bar none. And, and it probably opened with the match of the night. It, like, you know how Trips loves to do that, though. You look at takeovers. He likes the crowd to get going right away, and he knows what match to put there to get it done. This match felt like it was longer than it was. It was only 17 minutes and 50 seconds. What? Um, yeah. But there was a lot that was going on. Like, both of these teams are over. They're so over. And they are definitely, I really, like, hey, Seamus didn't technically win. Are you going to name the teams? You didn't You didn't do that for All right, our listeners. Brawling Brutes. Versus Imperium. Sorry. Uh, Brawling Brutes won. But, like, Sheamus didn't technically win on SmackDown, like I called. But you have that visual victory because Gunther definitely tapped. It happened. I don't care. But, I mean, I liked it. It it fed into the match. And so I got this match wrong because I had Sheamus winning on SmackDown and I'm losing here. But I don't care. The Brawling Brutes were so good in this match. And they're building towards Sheamus versus Gunther again. And Sheamus is probably going to win that match, uh, you would expect. But, like, Sheamus is, like, Sheamus is a star again. And that's something he got lost under Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon threw him in the bar, which was very successful, and I love the bar. But, like, he didn't know what to do with Sheamus. He didn't want to, like, put him in the top of the card anymore. So he threw him in this tag team that was very successful. And then after that, he just kind of was just Bounced from here to there. And, like, yeah. Doing nothing. And then they put this, the brawling brutes together and they didn't really have any direction they changed pete dunn to butch and then but then triple h gets the like book and then sheamus all of a sudden feels like top of the card star like he did 10 years ago that's i like that i would love to see somehow like this match be for like the wwe title but like i mean obviously that can't happen because roman reigns all of a sudden caught fire again and but anyways, uh, I loved this match. This is probably the best match. So many spots when uh, Sheamus got the bar thrown on him, like all the jokes that Corey Graves and uh, Michael Cole had. Like the, the commentary was great throughout the entire night, 
And I don't know. This match was just great. Big, beefy men between Sheamus and Gunther. And I'm glad that Sheamus and uh, LeBron and Bruce got the win. I I am as well. I think then one of my favorite spots was actually early in the match when, uh, and what I can't remember what they call him now, but he broke the shillelagh over Sheamus's back and that shillelagh piece. Yeah, Kaiser. Yeah, Kaiser. There we go. And that piece of shillelagh, when they showed that camera, was going straight for that dude. And he didn't, the cameraman didn't even flinch, got taken out by it. I mean, you got what you wanted. You talked before the, well, you did the preview. You wanted shillelaghs, and we had shillelaghs abound. Yes. There was two. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was so many. That moonsault from the top of those barrels by Pete Dunn. I, like, Kurt Angle's one of the prettiest moonsaults of all time, but Pete Dunn, like, just hits different. Like, sometimes there's guys who just do moves, and everyone does them, but when they do them, it just hits different. And his moonsault is just so impactful every time. I love watching Pete Dunn or Butch or whatever you want to call him do moonsaults. I can watch them all day. The Irish curse backbreaker or whatever it is when he put Gunther through the announce table. I know Gunther's lost some weight and everything like that, but he ain't a small dude. And to toss him like that, Sheamus is, God. And even, uh, who's the third member of uh, the Brawling Brutes? Uh, Ridge Holland. Ridge Holland. I never remember his name. When he had both of uh, the other guys in Imperium, caught him with that friggin' spine, and then just tossed both of them. Like, I was even behind him. And I think this match, right, this the whole Brawling Brutes thing is almost the perfect microcosm of how... Triple H's WWE is different than Vince McMahon's. They were heels to yeah, start exactly. out. And if this was Vince McMahon still, they would still be heels. Even though the crowd would be just losing their minds for him every time. But Vince would go, no, no. Those are the bad guys. We don't like foreigners around here. So those guys suck. And instead, Triple H is like, hmm, well, everyone seems to be behind them. Why don't we just make them the good guys? And money. Right there. It's like the see, like when Vince McMahon used to like understand these things too, because it's like the inverse of the New Day. New Day came in and its faces didn't work, and they turned him heel really quickly. Yeah, Vince McMahon was not going to turn the brawling brutes face, and the luckiest person out of any wrestler that Vince McMahon retired when he did. Is Gunther because there are reports that he was about to be buried like that week that Vince McMahon retired. He was about to be buried. And if he was buried, it would be much harder for him to come back from. But since it never happened, because he was already strong, there was no point to bury him. And since he never got buried, this this dude is like all the way at like as high as it can go, and it's they're about ready to blow it off. And, like, I mean, if they wanted to go with this for a couple more months, I'm fine with that. This thing has – it's been a lot of fun. And I just really hope that Sheamus comes out on top because, I mean, he has earned the right to call himself a Grand Slam champion. And he just needs that Intercontinental title. And I think they should do it for him. And I think that they will. I completely agree. And if it does go a couple more months, I wouldn't be upset by that either. If we if we could hold this off now, because we've got the Rumble coming up. So what 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 do we got in December for the pay-per-view? Uh, not December to December. 
Um, what is December? I don't know. It's different all the time. I remember back in the day, it used to be Armageddon. Um, when is TLC? Maybe it's TLC. Maybe it's TLC. Yeah. Gunther, lucky SOB. Very glad that he is not buried. And I mean, I don't won't be him, but once the belt's eventually off Roman, like I could see him now being an actual, like, you know, universal champion, which under VKM, that was never, ever going to happen. Talking about the New Age Outlaws. I know we just have the DX, like, 25th anniversary this week, but geez. Jeez, we are old. <laughs> All right, anyways, moving on to the second match on the card. It was for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Ronda Rousey defeated Liv Morgan by technical submission. And I thought this match was good. It wasn't great. Um, I don't know. Ronda and Liv don't really have the greatest chemistry together. They don't. But, I mean, like I said last week, I couldn't see them having Ronda lose again. And I thought maybe they'd want to try to keep the title on Liv Morgan. But, I don't know. There is is speculation because when she was in whatever submission she was in, she was smiling. And there's speculation that she might be part of the Wyatt Six, or that's what the rumored uh, Bray Wyatt faction is. I don't know. I think I'd be okay with that. She does date uh, Bo Dallas. And there's also rumors that Bo Dallas is making a return to WWE to join this faction. I mean, the man in the Fiend. been calling for for years. Yeah, the man in the Fiend mask did have the long black hair like somebody else. Another Wyndham, if you will. Yeah, so, I mean, we've been calling for them to be in. Like, we wanted Bo Dallas in the Wyatt family. It would have made a lot of sense. I don't know why. I mean, because Vince McMahon just doesn't get it. Yeah. But, like, they need to be together. Like, they just do. I don't know why. I know they're brothers, but they just need to be together. Yeah. Makes oh, I sense. think it'd be great. I 100% think it'd be great. Uh, this match was, it had a lot of fun spots in it. It did feel like this was a match to make Ronda look strong, which. I don't totally get, and I know you're you're 100 right that they couldn't have they weren't going to have Ronda lose three matches in a row. But man, if Liv isn't joining with the Wyndham Six or the Wyatt Six or whatever they're going to be called, and she just lost this match, like, like I really feel like this was a failed opportunity on Liv Morgan. Like, and I don't know if it was on just the chaotic times, but. I felt like Liv could have been a lot more. And maybe she's another Johnny Gargano where she's always better chasing than she is as champion. Another hangman page, if you will. But I don't know. I just thought she could be champ for a little bit longer. But I did like the match. I thought it was a solid match. And Ronda is a badass bitch. That is for sure. She That like final little spot where she was just locked on to Liv... I thought she was literally going to rip Liv's arm off. Like, I don't think she cared what submission it was. She was just going to rip that arm straight off of Liv's body. And it was wild. So, I liked the match. It wasn't my favorite, but it was fun to watch. I think that you need to also remember that Liv Morgan won the title under Vince McMahon's regime. Um, And... I really, really feel like this is leading to uh, Shayna Baszler title victory. And I think this is the way Triple H wants to do it. I think it's going to make Shayna way bigger star to beat Ronda Rousey than Liv Morgan. And this is that's my guess is that's the WrestleMania match. And it should be. 
and yeah. I'm all for it. And I, you know, I love Shayna Baszler. So if she gets, she should have had her moment a couple years ago, and they screwed her out of it. They, I hope that Triple H makes it right, and she gets her moment against Ronda at WrestleMania. And I mean, if you want to put casual fans butts in the seats. Ronda Rousey versus Shayna Baszler. Those are both two names that transcend pro wrestling. So, I mean, that is the money match right there. And we'll see. Triple H hasn't been one to leave money on the table. So, you know, just looking at this card, too, I like the fact that this is a card of like all blow off matches or like match, like feuds that have already been built up to like an appropriate pay-per-view match like they don't just have something thrown on there just to throw something on there they don't even have like the wwe title on this match or any titles besides either of the women titles because this pay-per-view was about more than just championships it was about these feuds and that is a very novel like way to make your pay-per-views or premium live events i don't know why no one's ever thought about that before yeah I don't either. It's a weird concept to actually just build storylines and it doesn't have to revolve around a title belt. It's it's a weird thing. I, I, I can't believe that Triple H is the first one to ever figure this out. It's wild. Uh, next match was Karrion Cross with Scarlett defeating Drew McIntyre in a strap match. And I would say this is probably the worst match, but I don't... There are a lot of people that were really down on this match because of the finish. And it's like... Drew McIntyre already lost two pay-per-views in a row. And he had to lose the carrying cross. But you still want to keep him strong. So some pepper spray. Yeah, it's it's not the greatest finish, but this is also, in my opinion, their first match of a series of matches. Yeah. And it probably will be 50-50 booking and they'll have a blow-off match. So I have no problem with this is the way Karrion Cross won that match. There was a lot of good like like whipping with that strap. Like this match, it wasn't like for as much as people are down on this match, it was still like a really like I was wincing a lot of the time. And like, I don't know. I this feud is growing still. This is just the first one. People need to calm down. And it's gonna get better. I know it will. Yeah, I this match probably was the weakest on the entire card. But saying that, being the weakest on a great card is okay. Because someone always has to be the weakest match. Like, it, just how things work out. Something's going to be the worst and something's going to be the best. It's just the it's way like, of things. This one was designed to be that match, too. Yeah, they exactly. Look at all the rest of the matches. Like, they designed it. They knew they had to have one. And so they knew that this was, like, probably the lowest built feud compared to everything else. So it was almost designed that way. And like, this is the kind of shenanigans that I am okay with. Scarlet is always going to be on the outside of the ring. It makes sense that she is so distracting. Scarlet Bordeaux is very distracting and she is willing to get physical with her distractions. So I really had no problems with the finish. You know that she's going to get her comeuppance at some point. Like that when she takes a Claymore, like, the crowd is going to lose their shit, and it's going to be great. We're all going to feel like, yes, yes, she, because you know she will. In TNA and everything, she wrestled in intergender tag matches and got her ass whooped a lot of the time. So he tagged with Falaba. Exactly. <laughs> so when she takes the Claymore, like this will all be for, you know, not forgiven, but it'll all be the building point to why she deserves that Claymore so much. 
and yeah some of those strap hits that they were both dishing out to each other's heads like and faces and such when they were just like wailing at each other i was definitely wincing yeah yeah like they were going i was like oh someone's gonna lose a freaking eye like they were not effing around with that strap and i yeah i don't get why so many people are so down on this match yeah as i said it wasn't the best it was the worst match on this card but it was still once again a lot of fun i had a lot of fun watching it and i thought the finish made sense i did too and i was very happy that it wasn't a four corners strap match because like we talked about last week those are the worst but moving on the next match was a good match it had some clunky spots, but uh, all in all, I like this match. It was the ladder match for the Raw Women's Championship, and uh, Bianca Belair defeated Bailey. I got this one wrong, but I mean, I don't know like where they're gonna go with this. I know they're not done feuding. Uh, Bailey did lose on Raw to Candice LeRae, so like I don't know, like I don't know what they're doing with Bailey because they have damage control, like. But I don't hate it. Like, it's a weird thing. Like, usually I'd be like, why did they just give her this faction? And she came out looking really strong. And all of a sudden, in, like, back-to-back days, she kind of looks a little weak. But I kind of like it. I, I think it's building towards something. But, uh, yeah, this match was a lot of fun. Bailey was being Bailey, And I just thought the finish was a little weird where she grabbed the broken part of the ladder. And, like... I thought she really hurt herself for a second, like her fingers, because she was holding on to it. Yeah. And it looked like she, I don't know. But um, Bianca Belair is just amazing, though. Like when she did the double uh, KOD. Yeah, KOD. Like she's so strong. It's, it is nuts. I like a quote I saw from her the other day ago. I, like, I can't remember exactly. But basically, she was saying, like, um, she never knew that wrestling was her dream until she became a wrestler. And like, I kind of like that because she doesn't feel like somebody that was an athlete that just came into wrestling because they didn't really have any other options and they still wanted to do something athletic. She feels like she was born to be a wrestler. And like Bianca Belair is definitely one of my favorites. And this match was good. It went 16 minutes and 40 seconds. I'm glad that both women's matches went over 10 minutes. So it's keep that up um yeah i mean as far as ladder matches go this wasn't like the craziest like spot fest ladder match but i mean these two women don't really do crazy moves so uh, i mean but, that elbow drop to the ladder bridge was pretty pretty wicked i, I won't think it hurt yeah let's yeah. say i've seen a lot of ladder bridge spots over the course of my pro wrestling uh enjoyment and for some reason, I mean, I've seen people, you know, pile driven through them, power bomb through them, you know, moon salted on top of through them. That elbow drop looked like it hurt almost more than any of those other moves I've ever seen. And I mean, kudos then to Bianca for selling or whatever, but that looked like Bailey's elbow was going to legitimately just pierce Bianca. And I was like, like, I felt my body clench up when that happened. I was like, oh, Bailey hit the ladder with like her ribs and her hip. Yeah. Like it, like she took a like bad bump on that too. Yeah, I was, but like, I don't know. This match was good. Uh, 
I like that Bianca Belair won. I just don't know where they're going to go after this. So that's my only worry. But the match is good. Yeah. I had a lot of fun with the match. I Once again, a shout out to Simon Miller. Because I also noticed it and really enjoyed it. I loved it right away. They both went for ladders. Instead of, you know, fucking around and like having a fight first. It's like, why would you do that? Go get a ladder and try and win this match. Or use the ladder as a weapon. That's, that's what, like, that's common sense, I feel like. So I love... Common sense in pro wrestling. It makes it feel real to me. Um, and then the next match was the longest match on the card. It was Finn Balor defeating Edge in an I Quit match. And, and I said my thoughts on I Quit matches last week. But uh, this was a good one. The only annoying part was the referee asked every single time they were in a submission hole. Even at the beginning. Yeah. And so a lot of the times you were just hearing them like grunt and like, no, like, yeah, I don't quit. Like I thought that go was to hell. Finn. Um, yeah, but the execution of the end was great. Starting with, uh, Dominic trying to apologize to edge. And then he, uh, straight kick right to the balls. dick. Yep. Um, Michael Cole's straight hatred for Dominic Mysterio is awesome. <laughs> like, he hates him. Like, He's your father. How can you do that to him? He raised you. It's uh, it's great, yeah. Um, but then the end, when uh, Judgment Day beat down Edge and uh, Beth Phoenix came out to save him, and eventually the numbers caught up to her and what happened before the concert? How did she, oh yeah, the brass knucks. I was going to say Rhea Ripley knocked her ass out with the knucks. Oh yeah, with the brass knucks. And then uh, they did a couple coup de gras to Edge, which it's coup de gras, Corey Graves. You've been calling this move since Finn Balor came to WWE. It's always been coup de gras, not coup de gras. It's no S. That's silent. Um, Anyways, and so they're holding Edge up and threatening to hit Beth Phoenix with the concerto. And so Edge begrudgingly quits, kind of like uh, Jey Uso when he faced Roman Reigns in that uh, uh, match, uh, Hell and Cell match, when Roman Reigns had Jimmy Uso in that armbar and break his arm. But this one, I mean, it was like that, but it was different at the same time. And I really like, because I was sitting there watching it, and I'm like, I really like hit her. I'm like, hit the concerto anyways. Just do it. Just do it. And she did it. I'm like, yes. Storytelling at its finest. Yes. <laughs> like, like Edge is going to come back and he's going to destroy Judgment Day, but it's going to be at what cost is like my question. Like, it's going to end up bad for Edge, I think. Because I oh, think yeah. Judgment Day is going to be strong. And I think Finn Balor is definitely like, definitely getting that push like they say he's going to get. And. Yeah, and with what happened on Raw with uh, AJ Styles and the Good Brothers returning. Too sweet. I was jacked. I knew like I knew it was going to be the Good Brothers when he mentioned the brothers, but up until then, I didn't know what was going to happen. And it's just like Triple H is the best. And Carl Anderson is still the never open way champion in New Japan. So like I don't know what's uh... and they're supposed to be committed to dates all the way up through Wrestle Kingdom. So I'm 
WWE like work out a deal with New Japan and they're going to be working both? Because if that's the case, I'm all in. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah, I I don't know. I I, th- I saw some news reports like just as we were about to start recording. Uh, View from the top of the goalpost, which if you haven't listened to, check it out because it's all our NFL predictions plus a lot of other fun NFL talk. You know you love football. Go listen. But yeah, I don't understand how Triple H is doing all of this and so quickly. Like, and once again, I know we blow a lot of smoke up Triple H's ass here, but the proof is in the pudding. Every wrestler out there right now wants to go back to WWE or go to WWE now that he's in charge. So it can't just be like all of us making up that Papa Trips is this like great guy. If every pro wrestler out there is literally saying it and trying to get themselves back in WWE, there's got to be some kind of honesty to the claims. And I think Judgment Day, once again, is another great microcosm of exactly why that is. Judgment Day was dying. It was some weird, spooky bullshit with Finn Balor, Damian Priest, and Rhea Ripley floundering. Now, Judgment Day is this fucking badass faction with Rhea Ripley becoming, like, I know Finn's the leader, but in a lot of ways, it kind of feels like Rhea's, like, the quasi-leader, and I love it. Like, Rhea... Dominic's daddy. Yeah. She's, like, her facial expressions and... The way they do everything, the way that like match was structured where you knew that Judgment Day was going to get involved eventually, but they held off and they held off until it looked like he was about to lose. And then you had the whole Rey Mysterio coming out and getting his ass whooped by Dominic again, which is just great storytelling, like keep that building. And then Beth Phoenix waylaying people with that kendo stick, like she had no time for nobody with that kendo stick, just shattered that shit. And then yeah, that... Like, Concerto, that is how you do an I quit match. That makes sense for why someone would quit. Instead of every other contrived bullshit they've done before. This this kind of thing makes sense. Like, you have to force someone else, like a family member, a friend, into a perilous situation that they can't control to make them quit. That is good storytelling. Just, once again, I really enjoyed this. Like, and Edge, this is probably some of the, like... This is one of the better edge matches I've seen since he's come back. And, you know, some of that credit's got to go to Finn Balor because he's just amazing. But, like, this had, like, fire and vitriol. And when he had that hockey stick and the crowd went nuts, I I popped as well for it. I knew it was dumb, but I popped for the hockey stick. This was definitely a really good match. And I knew that after this match, there was only one left. And I was... I didn't know what to expect out of the fight pit. I mean, I did kind of because I've seen one before, but like, but with Seth Rollins in this match and how crazy Seth Rollins is, I didn't know what to expect. Um, so that's, that's the next match. That was the main event. Was the fight pitch match? Matt Riddle defeated Seth freaking Rollins by submission, but Daniel Cormier didn't really do much. But at the same time. I like the fact that, like, they didn't just bring him in there and then he gets involved and, like, cost either one of them the match. I liked that he called the match down the middle. They could have been a little less, like, I'm the referee, you don't mess with me, you don't touch me kind of thing. But, like, other than that, I like because he's Daniel Cormier. You know, it feels like don't fuck around because he's in, you know what I mean? Yeah, I like that they did it that way. What? Might have put on some poundage, but he'll still knock he your fucking did. ass out. I wasn't out. gonna say that. 
Like I liked how Michael Cole was calling him the former UFC light heavyweight champion. And I'm like, oh, not anymore. But <laughs> he looks like he ate the former UFC light heavyweight champion. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. But, I shouldn't say that. I apologize. I that mean, was me. He still did a he did a good job in his role. I like that they kept it like serious like that, and he didn't like play into the finish of the match. I was a little worried about that. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't. I really love the fact that Seth Rollins cosplayed as Rob Van Dam, but he was Seth freaking Rollins. Yeah. He had the ponytail and everything. Like <laughs> had the spray painted top that he was wearing and coming out like that to the Philly crowd. And you know, everyone loves Seth Rollins too much. Like, cause that would have been some just like caustic heat if he just wasn't Seth freaking Rollins. But it's Seth freaking Rollins is Seth freaking Rollins. I just love the fact that he still gets the booze, but the whole time everyone is just singing his song and he's conducting it. Yep. And like, it's it's a weird dynamic because he is a heel, but like when he's like conducting his song, it's like he's just like bathing in that. And it's just like, I love it. And then like this match was... It was okay. I feel like the top two matches were definitely the opener and I quit match. And this would probably fall in his third. But I don't know. It There was some good spots. I really liked uh, once they got up to the top, there was a pedigree spot up there. Um, when uh, Matt Riddle jumped off and did that senton and he landed right on his tailbone like his reaction like i could feel it through the tv like that looked like it was painful and i thought that he definitely like broke his tailbone but he wrestled on monday night and i mean i know if you have a broken tailbone you're still gonna wrestle because there's nothing you can do for a tailbone and once it's broken there's not really much more damage you can do to it you're just gonna you might harm the healing of it but um i don't know I liked the match. I'm glad that Matt Riddle won. It seems like this feud is over. Seth Rollins beat Bobby Lashley on Raw for the U.S. title, which was a very good segment with Brock Lesnar coming out and beating the shit out of uh, Bobby Lashley beforehand, which is also a nice touch because what were we promised when they signed Bobby Lashley? We were going to get a feud with Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. It didn't happen. They had to throw them together in a random match one time because of injury, and Bobby Lashley, didn't he get the win? Yep. Like, yeah. And like, but we never got the feud. And even though it's going to be at Saudi Arabia, and I probably won't watch it. And I hope that this goes longer than just that match. I'm jacked. We're finally getting Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar because that's what I've wanted for the last five years. And it's Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar are going to tear down the house. They're like perfect for each other. I feel. And it's oh yeah. Happen. And I feel like. Just walking through the door, Brock Lesnar has a lot of respect for Bobby Lashley because he's was in the military. He was an All-American, like won like national championships and stuff like that. He, comes he was from an the actual same MMA fighter as well. He's an undefeated in Bellator. And so like I feel like uh Brock Lesnar is gonna sell for Bobby Lashley. And if Bobby Lashley won, I think Brock Lesnar would be fine with putting him over. Yeah, I I just Oh, once again, this 180 on the WWE over three months is one of the like 
craziest and this is not like this isn't the greatest metaphor for the situation because they are a billion dollar company but the greatest rags to riches kind of story that you ever could tell like because just think of how terrible it was it was rags it was like the worst storylines ever everything felt like garbage everyone was fighting everyone wanted out and then now three months later everyone wants in the storylines are great and even the Saudi Arabia show, which I hate and I'm pr- probably not going to watch, I'm seriously considering watching. This Great. is the first time since, I can literally point, since the greatest Royal Rumble ever, when they did that huge Royal Rumble, this is the first time that I've even quasi-given a slightest inkling of a thought that, yeah, I could watch the Saudi show. Like, maybe I should watch the Saudi show. That I've never thought, and I'm thinking it right now. Maybe That's I what should. I'm thinking as well. I don't want to do it. I might still do it. But I might. But... I might have to. Uh, but yes, yeah. So, but back to the actual match itself. I had. I thought this match was a lot of fun. I do think you're right that it was probably the third best match on the card because I would say the opening six man, the I Quit match, and then this one would be. Even this one might be fourth. I actually really kind of enjoyed. No, no, no. I think you're right. I think this has to be third. Third on the card. I thought there's a lot of fun spots. I loved that it felt almost like an MMA fight to really start off and that Riddle clearly had the massive advantage in that situation. He did the like jump kick off the side of the cage, which I thought that's just a great spot. And I don't care how many times I see it replayed on like ESPN, the actual UFC spot. I don't care. It's still one of the coolest things that has ever happened in a professional fighting ring. That guy jumping off that cage and knocking him out with that kick, doing that callback. And Michael Cole even used the guy's name and went, eat your heart out. Once again, Michael Cole just being amazing. And then, yeah, once once they climbed to the top of the like cage, and Michael Cole and Corey Graves were just freaking out the whole time that they were going to die. And Seth Rollins did that buckle bomb where I thought for a second, I really did for one slight second, I thought he was going to power bomb him from the top to the bottom. And I was like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. And he didn't, thankfully, but even just power bombing him up there and then that uh, pedigree and then the RKO and Seth Rollins falling back to the ring and like very making it seem realistic. Like that's what your body would do. It would try and save itself and just barely like grabbing on for one second and then tumbling like it was cool and i don't really remember watching the fight pit match the first one that well and then the timothy thatcher one and tommaso champa that one i remember a little bit but i don't know this just felt being on a big show like this and on a big pay-per-view the no ring or the no ropes in the ring and just being the cage i don't know it had a really cool feel to it and once again just i had a lot of fun with it and then, yeah, that final uh, Broton from the top of the you know cage down onto Seth Rollins, that was wild. And then the finish with him literally having Rollins in the triangle and Rollins powerbombing him over and over and him not letting go anyways, that's the kind of stuff I, I eat that right up. I love those kind of things where you have someone in a submission and even though they are pummeling you and just destroying you you won't let go like a boa constrictor and yeah so i really dug the finish as well um, the thing that like kind of blows me away about matt riddle though is his finisher is called the bro Derek, and i think that's hilarious because how many like wrestling fans out there that don't even know who bo Derek is 
where he like got the name from the supermodel yeah. it's <laughs> it's funny to me because that reference is like 30 years outdated and like still he's decided that's my finishing name it's the bro derek and it's just like yes that's why I like you, Matt Riddle, because you're out there and you're thinking as differently than other people's, and I can dig it. I really do say still, if uh, Dana White wasn't such a fucking nutso about hating marijuana, Matt Riddle would have dominated UFC. The guy is a fucking absolute just freak athlete, and he would have messed some people's worlds up. Yeah, he would have ended up in wrestling at the end of the day, I believe. But yeah, I agree with you. He also... Um, at least he got his wins back that they stripped him of when they decided to go, like, decided that weed wasn't that big of a deal. And, like, yeah, so he got his wins back at least, but, like, still. I think he's doing much better for himself in the WWE than he would be in UFC anyways. He's yeah. way more featured. And, I mean, he probably would be making more money in the UFC, but... That takes even more of a toll on your body. I was going to say, because... at what cost? Yeah, at exactly. what cost? I know he's wrestling more and like, but he doesn't take these spots like he did at the Broton that much. So, like, yeah, he could get the shit beat out of him. Why do you think Ronda Rousey's in WWE? Because, like, once she was figured out, like, she was dominant, like, and then all of a sudden she got figured out and she couldn't win a fight. No. And I feel like that happens for like most most fighters. So can't evolve. So this show as a whole, for me, I give it an A. Like I can't give it any lower of a grade than an A. It was it was the takeover format. Usually there's five matches in takeover, but it's main roster, two shows. They kept it to six. I like that because it's a B show. You don't need to put twelve matches on the card. Like, AEW needs to take note. They did six matches. It was still three hours long, but you gave time to these matches, and you didn't feel burnt out at the end. Like, even if the Bray Wyatt stuff wouldn't happen and it would have ended with the Fight Pit match, I would have been satisfied. And Like, that was a great wrestling show. Like, it was the perfect length, and I feel like I'm not burnt out, and I'm ready to watch Raw on Monday, which I did. So, yeah, I give the show an A. I also definitely agree with giving this show an A. And we got briefly touched on it, and we didn't really talk about it anymore. But the whole Miz and Gritty stuff was amazing. It was That is sports entertainment right there, and that's the kind of sports entertainment you should do. When Miz's look the first time that he was talking about why he was there, and he saw Gritty, and he just went, what the hell? Like, his expression, I physically burst out laughing. The Miz is, and I know I'm a huge Miz mark, so it's not fair for me to say, but The Miz is one of my favorites of all time. He is so fucking good and will go down as one of the greatest sports entertainers of all time. It's funny, I was talking to Emily about this. Like, The Miz, when he came into WWE, like, everybody was just like, he's just this reality star trying to capitalize on his 
like 15 minutes of fame and like wrestle a couple matches and then just be a footnote in history. Like that's what he was thought of when he came to the WWE. Now, 15 years later, you look at the Miz and be like, you don't even think of him as a reality star. And he has his own reality show. He but does. like, yeah, you think when you hear the Miz, you think of WWE wrestler, former two-time champion, like I mean, the star of the Marine series. <laughs> Obviously, the star of the Marine series. Can never forget that. Did, did you watch Raw at all? Uh, I did. Actually, I watched the Hulu cut. Okay. Did, did, I watched uh, the... I uh, recorded it, so I watched the whole three-hour one. And I felt for being three hours, they they filled the time really well this time. I still think it should be two hours, but still... Did they have the Mrs. Uh, birthday celebration on they there? They did have the Mrs. Birthday okay. celebration on there. Maurice's botch of the cake. <laughs> it was hilarious. She missed it by a mile. She did. And then, even like before uh, Dexter Loomis like had their his stare down, you could see her like wiping frosting on her face. Yep. I was just laughing. I'm like, like it was almost like she was afraid to actually put her face in the cake or something. Oh, yeah. There is way too much, uh, you know, work that goes into Maurice looking that good every time. She can't put her face in a cake. Because like the camera caught her taking the frosting and wiping it on her face. No, Miz and Miz putting his foot on her ass and just literally launching her. Like it was so like obvious, and she still missed. It was it was pretty funny. I do I do need to know where this whole Dexter Loomis Miz stuff is heading because I am getting a little sick of it, but. The Miz is so great, and I love the Dexter Loomis character that it's holding it together for me. They set up the match next week between The Miz and Dexter Loomis. Uh, if he, Dexter Loomis wins, he gets the contract. If he loses, he has to leave WWE. I think, I feel like once he beats The Miz, I think hopefully this will be over and then he'll go on to do something else. But that being said, who knows? Um,. Yeah, I thought Raw was a really good show too. Even with the DX stuff, which was kind of like just there, I still it was still it was okay. Like the DX stuff was okay. It was DX. It was what you would expect it from DX. They didn't go over the top. It was short and sweet. They had a couple like things throughout the episode. Like I liked when they booked that match with Dexter Loomis and X Pac goes, "When did you become the Booker?" <laughs> I also like the fact that they referenced Billy Gunn, and they were like, where's Billy? Oh, he's somewhere else. He's working for somebody else right now. Yeah, he really said, uh, Corey Graves, like, he's doing something uh, He's doing something else with office equipment right now. There we go. That's what he's he like, said. I really, I really wanted in the WWE to get in, oh, scissor me, daddy, chin. <laughs> why uh, is that so good? I mean, I know, sidebar, I know we're not really talking about it. Ding. AEW, why is the acclaimed and the scissor me why is that so good i don't and why was the audible because i don't think this was ever the plan when billy gunn sided with his sons i think that that was when it was over the audible to put billy gunn back with the acclaim was the best thing ever i love it so much and that promo that they cut on dynamite was great the acclaimed is awesome and yeah yeah, there's That's a little one of the only good things they got going in AEW right at the second, but there's our AEW talk for the week. See, we snuck it in. But yeah, I could I couldn't tell you. I don't know why the scissor me daddy ass is such an over thing, but I now can't hear the word scissor without immediately thinking daddy ass. 
And I know I've seen multiple people post it online and like social media, like, oh, someone said scissor and I said it out loud in public. I legitimately almost have done that because it is like it rolls off the tongue now and never with the terms scissor and daddy ass ever think. I don't know why. I really like the scissor me daddy ass shirt, but I can't buy that shirt. No, I cannot wear that in public because of the questions I would be getting asked. I do not feel like answering. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I have a like, daughter. I cannot <laughs> wear that shirt around public for sure. But I also, I also like the fact that his nickname now is Daddy Ass. Like it's come full circle. Like it was the Ass Boys, and now he's Daddy Ass, and it's like. I mean, I've loved Billy Gunn my entire wrestling fandom, and I still do. And he can still wrestle in his 50s. He doesn't get credit, but he's still jacked. And when he does wrestle, he can still wrestle a good 10-minute match and, like, put people over. I love Billy Gunn. And he's a fucking monster of a man. I just, I don't think people realize how tall Billy Gunn is until, if if you ever get a chance, meet Billy Gunn in person, and you're going to go, holy fuck, you're a giant man. Well, I think that uh, we've talked enough. (laughs) Uh, Yes, uh, we, as we were just talking about calling an audible, are calling an audible ourselves. Because we feel like we've had enough fun today with all of that great talk about pro wrestling. So we're calling an audible. We're going to end the show this week. We'll probably finish up the retrospective next week because, you know what? We're going to be back next week because we've been doing this now for four years. And we're not just going to suddenly stop now. Like we did like a year ago. That had circumstances to it. (laughs) It sure did. Okay, though. But on that. Wait, wait, wait. Time out. Can you believe it? We've been back recording for like, what, 10 months now since we took that hiatus. And doesn't it seem like we just started like a couple weeks ago? Fuck, man. Stop doing that with, like, time stuff. I already have enough problems with how fast things are moving. I don't need to make that even more retrospect. Because, yeah, it does feel like we just kicked back off at VFCR 2.0. That we just renamed it. I feel my my son's going to be a year old on Friday. Like, where the hell did this time go? I legitimately don't know. Because the fact that Cooper turns six months tomorrow is enough to make my head spin. So... The whole year? I don't know. I don't know how you're dealing you know, with that. I feel like they've been around forever now, too, at the same time. Like, how does time work? <laughs> yeah. No, it feels like also she's always been here, but also she's only been here for a cup of tea. Like, it's it's a very odd thing. Yeah. Time, man. It's fucking weird. Okay, on that note, though, that's a great note to say it. Monkey's in the back. Hit that sound effect. Danny. Yes, I forgot Channing was in the booth. I'll stop saying monkey. I apologize, Channing. That is a horrible... Just for this week, though. Monkey's yeah, just in for the back this one. we return next week. <laughs> we return next week. Hey, maybe we'll work out a contract where we don't pay him anyways, but he'll stick around for the fun and the laughs. But as always... No, I doubt it. <laughs> that sound effect means it is time for final thoughts. So now that I have both a pen and a pencil in my hand somehow, and I don't know why, Diesel, what have you for this week? I mean, you probably wanted to play the drums or something like that. That's what I would assume. Um, so like I said, uh, it's Benji's birthday on Friday. He turns one, which is crazy. So I took the day off of work because, I mean, it's his first birthday. So 
weather permitting and health and there's a bunch of things that are going into this but the plan is to go to the zoo and i feel like that would be a good uh experience for benji on his first birthday um yeah uh we're having a birthday party for him on sunday which is during the packer game unfortunately um obviously i didn't uh decide when the time of the party was <laughs> i i did uh levy a complaint and With the boss i got i got uh, denied that makes sense um, changing of the time uh-huh. so but i did get assurance that the packer game will be on the tv <laughs> that's good you know so, compromise compromise yeah. And I hope that my chair is in the butt watching, or my butt is in the chair watching it, but uh, I highly doubt it. <laughs> I would also um, tend to take that uh, easy money that you will not be sitting in that chair watching the Packer game. Well, that's okay. The party is over at two, so I'll at least probably get to see the end of the game, and I'll be freed up to watch the Bills versus the Chiefs because I'm actually really looking forward to that game. Um, yeah, so a lot of birthday stuff going on for Benji. Um, Got to clean the house because of the party. Um, we started doing a little bit last weekend. I mean, it's not much. It just some stuff is just reorganizing because you know once you finally get settled in the house, you get lazy and you don't want to put stuff away, and then stuff ends up in the wrong spot, and then the stuff that are supposed to go in that spot, you don't have places for them, and then you just put them in the wrong spot, and then it's like a it's an avalanche effect and yeah like yeah i completely understand that <laughs> uh but yeah anything else diesel no i think that's really about it i'm i am excited i'm more excited for benji's birthday than it was my birthday like and i can't wait till he gets a little older and like understands what birthdays are that's when it'll be fun so yeah I completely agree. It's uh, for my final thoughts. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, Cooper will have turned six months old, which is wild to me. Uh, we are full on into trying out solid foods and trying to get her to crawl and all that fun stuff. She is also teething. and But we're finally sleeping through the night again at this point, knock on wood, which is a wonderful thing. Um, sans all the fun Cooper stuff, uh, it is just a lot of the same for Chad right now. Just kind of, at this point, I was supposed to be going to AAW this weekend, but life happens, so I will not be going to AAW this weekend. But you know what? You can't complain about it. You just got to keep going. So just going to probably hang out at home with uh, Allison and Coop and the potatoes and, you know, watch some football on Sunday, which there's nothing wrong with that. But I don't perfect Sunday to me. Exactly. But I don't have anything else for the week. So, Diesel, why don't you do some social media stuff so we can get on out of here? You can follow me on Twitter at Diesel underscore VFTR. You can follow Chad on Twitter at Chad's underscore mine or at VFTR2PO. You can follow us on Facebook or Instagram by searching View from the Top Rope Official. You can find us on YouTube by searching View from the Top Rope. Of you from top rope at gmail.com is our email address. You can follow Visionaries Global Media on Twitter at Viz Global Media. 
You can also send your podcasts into visionariesglowmedia at gmail.com where they'll be reviewed, added to the network where you will be heard on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podknife, and Podaboy. I made it. Didn't slip up one time. Round of applause for Diesel from, from all of us here at the BFTR 2.0 family. You can't see it right now, but Channing is giving you a standing ovation. It's He's pretty impressed. I mean, I did it for him. Yeah, obviously. Like, I'd be so embarrassed if I would have fucked that up. Like, the one day he came back. Yeah, he just did it in honor of you, Channing. It's just all for you, buddy. But yes, of course, you can hear us on so many other podcasting platforms. Uh, just type in Visionaries Global Media or VFTR 2.0 into a search engine. You will find us on a podcasting platform that you enjoy. Make sure you're like, commenting, sharing, subscribing upping retweeting whatever it is that the podcasting platform or social media site you are using uses to say hey i like this and more people should listen to it so that hey more people will listen to it and get to enjoy our wild ramblings and our dulcet tones though as always i have been chad he has been diesel we thank you all so much for listening to this madness that we call a podcast Please remember, everyone, be kind to each other out there. We're all just humans trying to survive on this blue spinning orb that we call Earth. So don't be a dick. And always remember to climb up high and enjoy VFTR 2.0. This has been a Visionaries Global Media production. Visionaries Global Media. Envisioning excellence on a global scale.